In our last episode, we delved into uh, the concept of omni-channel for retail businesses, and we explored why sometimes it feels like a broken promise. Now today, I'm gonna take the discussion to the next level by bringing two incredible guests on board that know a lot about this topic. Now, we're gonna spotlight in this episode, part two, and we're gonna now shine uh, the episode and the content on the rebirth of the physical store. Hi everyone and welcome to One Step Beyond Cyber. I'm your host, Scott Kreisberg, and before we dive into the episode, I just have one favor. If you like the content today, please like and subscribe to the channel. It really helps us out. Now, before I get started, I want to mention that the purpose of this podcast is to provide news and information on cybersecurity and technology, law and regulations. All content provided on this site is for informational purposes and should not be considered legal advice. All right, let's get started. Today, we have Kevin McAdam, who has nearly 20 years of retail technology experience, helping small and very large retailers, multi-billion dollar retailers. And I'd also like to welcome Sarah Long, who's got a distinguished 16 plus years experience in the fashion industry in New York City. And she's helped three brands open many stores across the nation. And after being a client of ours for eight years, decided to join us. So welcome, Sarah, glad to have you. Happy to be here. All right. So, Kevin, let's start with you. Yes, Scott. All right. To help our listeners come up to speed, could you give us a quick lowdown on what Omnichannel is and why it has a sort of a, I don't want to say bad reputation, but a questionable reputation as to sometimes maybe being a broken promise? I'd be happy to do that, Scott. Omnichannel is actually a made up word. I mean, that's how all words start eventually, but it is a made up word that technology companies and industry experts coined to talk about two things, really. Um, if you look at the definition over time, it's evolved a lot, which is part of the broken promise. But the two things are how the customer experiences the brand across different channels, Omni being one experience. And the other side of it from the brand's perspective is the kind of distribution, promotion, communication channels, all the backend stuff that makes the business work, also being consistently and seamlessly experienced across multiple channels. So that's really it. It's a made up word, a neologism, if you want to use a fancy word for a made up word, but it talks Woo! about those two things. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> we don't need we don't need 25 cent words, but that's okay. Do me a favor, like for a layman, is omni-channel uh, an ability for a consumer uh, to conduct a transaction from basically anything you know he or she wants to use, like a cell phone, a tablet, a computer, uh, a kiosk? Is that omni-channel or is that something different? I'm glad you brought up the customer, Scott, because really this all kind of originates with the customer's experience. And to answer your question, yes, it does. And we have an expectation as consumers now driven by our phones, really, that we can shop anywhere and have an experience where my information is, you know, able to be used in a store, able to be used on a website, able to be used in a marketplace like Amazon or Walmart. And there's right. just this really ease of shopping that we expect today. That is a big part of Omnichannel. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that probably got 
super turbocharged during the pandemic. And um, there was a lot of uh, concerns that, that that retail store component was going to certainly lose uh, a lot of its prominence. How, how do physical stores fit today, you know, you know, as, as far as this idea of a broken promise? Well, it's great timing for that question because there was just a, a new print on retail store sales that came out on Wall Street that was hot, hot, hot way hotter than expected. So today, retail stores are hot. I mean, we're gonna talk more about that. Um, for many years, there was this growth in e-commerce or digital commerce that, um, you know, had all sorts of expectations built around it, but COVID really accelerated those. COVID was a unique thing in retail because physical retail shut down. And so the only way yeah. that people could buy stuff was digitally. And so I remember hearing, um, uh, one CEO of a tech company during 2020 say, we've done more kind of technical expansion of, of, of digital commerce in the last six months than we did in the last 10 years. I mean, it was like just massive growth. And, you know, people got excited about that. There was talk that physical retail would never come back, that people were only ever going to buy online anymore. And we just had to have Omni online, which is a thing now. I can want to have omni-channel experience, but online only on marketplaces and search engine websites. Um, and uh, I think what happened was that got really expensive to do. The cost of acquisition of an online customer for a brand got really expensive. And it was hard to keep them because there was always somebody offering something else. The grass was always greener. Um, and then stores opened up again. And I think people realized that it's kind of nice to go out and walk around and see products and touch products and talk to people and so for the last year stores have been been on fire and i think that that's the really have, kind yeah. of the, the real change yeah that that doing business in retail stores this is a <laughs> this is a very old industry and the formula is pretty well worked out on how to make money with it so yeah it's hot again absolutely i don't know about you guys but um our shopping centers um i mean i can't find a parking spot so it's, yeah. it's ridiculous yeah. yeah it's great so it may, you know it makes me very happy um let's go to sarah sarah you know um you uh you did some pretty interesting stuff during the heat of COVID, didn't you i, I you kind of a reputation out there of going against the uh, against the tide um were you opening stores uh you know during COVID? and and well, if so not. like <laughs> tell us tell us about it what was the experience believe it or not i was it was a crazy time i you know it was three months into the pandemic I went from wiping down my parents' groceries to flying to Newport Beach to open a store, let alone being the only person on the airplane. I mean, it was absolutely insane. Um, but from there, I opened a store in LA and, you know, opening was a little slow, but once we went to Texas, it was insane. I mean, we, we were doing trunk shows with other companies. We were doing, um, you know, all these different pop-ups with other brands and, I mean, we did over 100 transactions our opening day. It was absolutely insane. So, you know, it just took a few months. But granted, the other stores were closed. We were still opening. We had four leases that were already signed. So we figured, why not open and, and see what happens? So it was insane. Well, what, what, a, what a time. So, so it worked out well. And uh, sometimes just going against the grain actually is a differentiator. So it's really, it's, it's really cool that you did that. I could see why Texas might have been... Uh, uh, off the charts there, but, uh, you know, um, you know, what do you say about today now? So we both just made some comments about how the malls are busy and all that, but, um, how are stores doing today? 
um, you know, post, post all that craziness. You know, it's interesting. I noticed a lot of new brands during the pandemic and I, I call them Instagram brands, brands I'd never heard of before. Um, you know, and there was a point in New York City where Bleecker was completely empty. And little by little, these shops that I saw on Instagram started opening up on Bleecker. And now they're opening stores throughout the US. And now we're seeing all these European, you know, all these other countries that are opening in the US. I mean, it's it's insane. Retail is back and better than ever. Um, you know, I remember a lot of talk that retail was dead during the pandemic and it's just, it's getting more and more powerful. I mean, I know certain, I know certain shopping centers that are just impossible to get a space at. So it's a really exciting time. I'm really excited to see what happens in 2024, but everything is exploding. Yeah, it's a total rebirth. Uh, when I was, I, I know exactly what you're talking about when I was in New York recently, um, you know, I, I did not personally recognize a lot of these brands. So Instagram brands makes a lot of sense. New up and coming brands that um, are starting in a very hip part of the, uh, of the city. So that's really cool. Um, so, you know, Kevin, uh, with all your technology experience, um, you know, is there is there um, poor implementations of Omnichannel that can actually impact a retailer's, uh, ex, you know, the, the shoppers of that retailer's uh, store to a point where it could be, you know, detrimental, or is this a pretty straightforward process? There definitely are. Um, there definitely are because, you know, there's there's things that are required in physical retail that are not required in digital retail. And so to take Sarah's word of an Instagram brand or, or, or a digitally native brand, you know, your storefront is your site. And you have omni-channel, which are other marketplaces that carry your product. But as long as you have pictures of the product, you know, you're, you're going to be able to sell it. Right. And, uh, your consumer is someone who interacts with you on a digital experience. So it's, it's a limited experience when you open up a store. I mean, you've got everything from, is it clean? to does it have product on the shelves to does it have the right mix of product on the shelves to how do you handle transactions where, you know, a consumer might have bought something online and actually wants to return it in the store. And if you're an e-commerce site, there is no such thing. Usually there are exceptions, but an exchange is not an online transaction because you don't exchange anything. You return something, but when have you gone into a store and not wanted to do an exchange? I want a different size. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We can't do an exchange. <laughs> so, I mean, there are little, we laugh, but there are little nuances of doing business in a physical store. And I just touched on a few of them there that absolutely will impact the customer's experience. If you don't think about what that omni-channel experience for the customer is like. And the fact that these are two very different shopping platforms. So true, man. So true. Uh, really good advice. Um, you know, continuing with this concept of, of, of focusing on the technology, Sarah, um, you know, is there, um, is there a good, you know, should, when, when should a store consider even uh, putting in omni-channel solutions? You know, once a store, once, once a company opens one store, you know, that's essentially two platforms. You have an e-commerce one store. What I've experienced is once a second store is open, you have three different channels, that's when things start to get messy. So I think it's really important to start having that conversation and doing the research around that time. 
by the time the third store opens, things get really messy if you don't write, if you don't have the right systems in place. So I would say start doing research around store number two, and then, you know, maybe shortly after store number three, you're ready to go. I mean, it takes a while to do an integration. You want to make sure you're doing it right. You want to include the right parties. Um, so it takes time. It's not something you should rush. Interesting. That's, uh, that's very, very interesting. Cause I was thinking you were going to say like, yeah, 50 stores and above, but you're saying like uh, a smaller, you know, boutique brand should be getting on this bad wagon much, much sooner. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, there's nothing worse than having, you know, four stores and you have four more in the pipeline and you're trying to do an integration. I mean, I've been there and it's complete chaos, you know, no one has mm -hmm. time to fully commit to it. Um, you know, everyone's so focused on these stores and, and building the brand. It's, it's just, it's terrible timing. So as you, you know, as you're rolling out these stores earlier on is really when you want to start doing the research and, and start planning your integration. And that's, right. that's and my I, experience. And, and and I, and can I, I, I add on to that? Oh, go. Sorry. Yeah. I have something to add yeah, on no, to what, I was gonna, what I was going to say, uh, is that, you know, how are you going to compete if you don't, you know, so. Um, the point of, 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 of entry into retail now requires even a smaller brand to enter the fray. That's all I was going to say, but go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I think, I think there's something to be said about that from the business's planning perspective as well and ROIing these types of things, because one of the challenges or broken promises of Omnichannel is that people think it's easy. And um, it's it's really not necessarily. I hate to break that to you. <laughs> it's really, it's not necessarily. It is absolutely doable. But there is a difference between different technologies and how they handle these types of things, like we were talking about in store versus online, or as Sarah was talking about growing. And the the easy thing to do is to get something quick and fast and open. And I get it. That's right. But then as you start to grow quick and fast and open doesn't necessarily scale. And so what do many companies do is they throw people at that problem. They don't stop to think about the technology aspect. They think about the people aspect. So I'll just hire some people to plug in those holes. And I've literally seen companies that started growing and hit that four five, six stores. And they had people handling the manual processes that the technology couldn't do like the exchange as a great example or being able to sell something in the store that's not in the store, but have the warehouse ship it to the customer, which is a common omni-channel experience. Or even having two different brands that have two different websites, but when you sell them in a store, it's still one store. You don't want to have to send the customer to two different cash registers, but I've literally seen brands do it. And so they'll <laughs> throw people at that problem when if they would have just stopped and done the technology right, yes, it's more expensive. Maybe it would have been the cost of one more staff member that you're paying in technology costs, but people don't think about it when they're growing and they'll maybe add a person per store. Now you got four stores or five stores, five more people on payroll instead of just fixing the technology. And I've actually seen it stifle brands growth because they hit a point where they can't grow anymore. They're burning through cash faster than they wanted to. They can't hit their growth expectations and they wind up running out of money before their business plan said they should. I mean, I know that sounds extreme, but I've literally seen it happen. Wow. I also I have to say being in a retail store, not having a proper omni-channel experience. I mean, we're talking hours a week in a retail store that the staff members are calling other stores. They're checking on on product. Someone's looking for products. Let me call you right back. It's really busy. I'm so sorry. I can't even tell you how many phone calls it takes and how many mistakes happen 
and and how much time is just wasted when you have an omni-channel experience it's instant you sell something it's gone and that's it so that's another area too where it's just the time that's wasted and the frustration behind you know the employees and if there's a line forget about it the customers are frustrated absolutely yeah really really good point um Listen, so on that point, since you've rolled this out a, a number of times for different brands, is there a logical progression to rolling out Omni? You know, in other words, should you start with, uh, you know, one thing and then go to the other uh, in a logical sequence? Or is it more like this is what we can do this quarter and that's that's what we're going to get done? Yeah, you know, I think I think one of the most important things when it comes to Omni Channel, and this is something that, you know, I've I've. I've experienced myself, if you don't have the right parties involved, you know, there are so many different departments that need to be involved in an omni-channel experience, you know, and having the store staff involved, having the corporate employees involved, having the owner involved on what her needs are, you know, and, and understanding what customer service is dealing with on a day-to-day -day with issues, you know, what do our clients yeah. want? So there's so many different areas, you know, of the business that you really need to research and look into before you even get to that moment, you know, so that you're fully communicating and fully integrating the needs of the business. Oh yeah, totally. All right, cool, thanks. Um, so Kevin, back to technology. Um, so are, are, what, what are some of the questions that a retailer can ask, you know, of their technology provider to make sure it does what they need it to do? There's a, um... There's a running theme throughout our, our talks here about Omni, Omni meaning all, and Sarah just said it, all areas of the business need to be a part of this project. So mm. I think one of the first things you got to talk from a technology standpoint is don't approach Omni channel from silos. Okay, let's see what the stores need. Okay, let's talk to customer service later, or you know, maybe the owner wants certain reporting and analytics back. Um, so the first thing is to get kind of a holistic view of what the organization needs and also define what the customer needs. Again, Omnichannel is customer experience as well as brand experience. Um, so from the technology standpoint, it does need to be pretty broad reaching because it is Omnichannel. And I think that there's a difference between asking or talking. You said, who do we talk to? Who do we involve? I think it was, was, was the concept. But if you just talk to the software company, software companies, um, they build software. They have um, kind of a narrow view of answering a question. And the, the answer to any question is, how can I make my software do that? And so this is where the value of a partner comes into play, a third party partner that understands the technology, but also is willing to take the time and understand the business. And how do you mirror those two? And it's not just a question of can the technology or how does the technology solve a problem in Omni, but is what is the business need? And now let's go find the best te technological solution to that problem. So I know maybe that's a touchy feely type of an answer, but it starts with really understanding from all perspectives, not from a siloed point of view, but from all perspectives of the business, what do we want to accomplish? What is Omni experience like? We talk all the time on the digital side about the customer journey, absolutely critical to this as well. What do we want the customer's journey to be throughout these touch points? But what do we want the brand's experience to be also? So it starts there. Awesome, awesome. So <clears throat> with that in mind, uh, Sarah had mentioned uh, some of the people that needed to be involved. And then you were talking about not having silos. Um, you know, who should be involved with making these type of decisions? Um, I think that the heads of the organizations that 
you know, heads of those areas of the organization absolutely should be there. But, um, you know, I, I, I can't stress enough, this is critical to the success of the company. I told a bad experience where a company can literally burn up capital and not survive. So it's pretty critical that the senior leadership have a say in this thing, even if it's just from the point of what's our vision. And then the various heads that are that are kind of doing that. But I'll also stress to answer that question, the documentation of those processes are really critically important because retail is an industry that sees high turnover. It, other industries do as well, but retail definitely. And when you have turnover occur, and if you come into an organization that's not got processes and technology and systems well documented, it's risky because they can come in and not know how to use the machine and break the machine or use the machine to break people. So it's really important not only to have the right people involved, but as that evolves, document those processes so that as turnover occurs, the new people can come in and know why it was built the way it was built. Got it. Awesome. So um, should there you know, be any specific expertise involved with uh, these type of decisions besides, let's say, the upper brass of the company? Yes. I think having a, uh, a technology implementer and integrator partner, I used the term earlier, is you know, a third party that has the best interest of the business in mind. That is, you know, not necessarily the software themselves. They may have certain softwares that they work with that say they're good at, hey, I, I went and vetted 15 different softwares and I have three that I that I think will solve 90% of the problem. That's fine. That's different from actually just saying, you know, does the software itself do it? But having that technology partner that can help stitch all these pieces together make sure the user acceptance testing of the system goes in really, really cleanly before it goes live. And that all those little nuanced omni-channel functions are vetted properly and work. And, and I'll give you a real clear example of that. Let's take an omni-channel thing that occurs, which is buy online, pick up in store. That's a very omni-channel thing. Not all brands need to do that. Some brands are going to do great with it. I mean, I love getting my 40 pound bag of dog food somebody come out from the store, throw it in my trunk so I don't have to get out and lug it around, right? But I ain't going to pick up my $250 pair of jeans by someone throwing it in my trunk. I'm going to go inside and I'm going to try them on. And there's risk there because if you have fashion and you have singles of certain sizes and colors and you sell it online and then you don't have it and the customer shows up, forget it. You're done. You lost that customer at that point. So there's right. an example of some of those things. You need to vet them to make sure that they're going to be appropriate for the business and then that they work well in operation. Oh, yeah. It's good advice. Really good advice. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up with this next question. Um, so what kind of expectations uh, can a retailer have around what an omni-channel implementation, uh, what their investment might be in something like this? I think I'll start that and then and then I'd love Sarah to, to talk about it from the people perspective, but I mentioned it, it earlier, like technology to do the things that we're talking about is absolutely available. Um, and you got to think about it as if it were people. So if you had to put one or two people in place, but then you could scale from two stores to 20 stores to 40 stores on the same mm -hmm. cost of those two people, obviously that's a great employee. And so you're thinking about that. You're thinking about the cost of one or two people annually in terms of a technology cost to get something that's omni-channel functioning. Now, as you scale a little bit, sure, the cost will go up from there, but it certainly beats having to throw a person at it every time you open a store. So I think that's a way to answer it with, without giving you specific numbers, but expect it to be that kind of a cost on an annual basis from a technology perspective. 
Yeah, I mean, you think about, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, the amount of hours that employees are wasting, you know, calling other stores, not having that omni-channel experience, that's money out the door. And that's also lines of customers that are frustrated that guess what? They're not waiting online for you to call another store. They don't have it. Call another store. That's more lost opportunity. That's more money lost. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it creates this this web of missed opportunities, you know, and it's it's time and it's money at the end of the day. Right. Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, um, that was a, a packed episode. I want to thank both of you guys for, for joining me today. Uh, okay, everyone, that's going to be a wrap for, for today's episode part two on why Omni has been the broken promise. So I want to thank, thank you guys for watching the episode as well as our guests. Now, our next episode will be part three of the broken promise. It's our final episode on this uh, subject. And um, we're going to be talking about the risks that come with technology, especially as it relates to security. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.